Hello, Zanzi. Welcome to episode 365 of the Farmers Inside Track podcast. My name is Duncan Masua, and I'm your host for this episode. Now, throughout South Africa, passionate cannabis and hemp advocates are tirelessly dedicated on raising awareness about the opportunities and benefits of these commodities. And in this episode, we hear insights from Albertus Lowe, Global Impact Director at Abundant Village, who is renowned for his design of a self-sustaining hemp house. Yes, you heard right, a hemp house. Additionally, we're joined by Pivo Artemidis, the co-founder of Hempo Sapiens. He shares valuable perspectives on promoting sustainable socio-economic inclusion in agro-rural South Africa. Let's hear from these two gentlemen. Quickly introduce yourself. My name is Fivo Artemides. I have been working in industrial hemp for the last five years, working in education, policy development, a bit of strategy. My company, Hemper Sapiens, is essentially working with small-scale farmers and agro-rural communities to try to find a sustainable way to make innovative solutions for more artisanal but more meaningful hemp projects that can actually meet the community and essentially create a very pro-South African industrial hemp community. And yourself? Hello, my name is Albertus Lowe, and I have a background especially in media, but also humanitarian work. A lot of different passions, education, environmental issues. But as a filmmaker, I specifically focused on environmental stuff. At the moment, I'm working with a company called Move Me, Abundant Village, and that was founded by, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Step Up, dance yes, movie yes um brianna evigan is the the main actor there and she started move me so That's we're cool. working together with brianna she's presently based in harare and our first project is in bushpark Ridge in pomalanga you mentioned filmmaking i think that's where your face clicked for me mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know 2023 has been an interesting year concerning the hemp industry what is your take on the year that has been It's a very nascent industry here, so naturally any emerging industry, no matter where you are, will have growing pains. And I think what South Africa experienced this year was growing pains. Some of the key areas I'd probably want to highlight is around the permitting structure and the compliance with THC. Immediately what that does is at 0.2% now, they had a sand pit called Pakisa, which I believe means hurry up. That's supposed to fast track it to be 1%. But basically 0.2% in the hemp permitting structure limits the amount of genetics we can grow in this country for industrial hemp because you have to test your plant for THC compliance and hemp is regulated by the Plant Improvement Act. But as soon as you go above 0.2, you're regulated by the Drugs and Drugs Trafficking Act and the Medical Substance Act and there's a lot heavier repercussions if you contravene that. They have a 50 hectare permitting structure which you only like 50 hectares, which is also a challenge for large-scale farmers. And then you have to renew your license every three years. And there's other things in there like suitable fencing. It just kind of creates these barriers of entry, which almost is very prohibitive for a new crop that you want to grow. So that's one aspect, let's say, around regulations and legislation. But naturally, the emerging pains is how do you grow a sequential industry? So sequencing is how do you grow enough biomass to have enough processing to reach the right amount of demand? Because if you have a case like America where they overproduced their biomass and they had nowhere to process it, eventually they were left burning all their materials. 
So we need to have enough capacity of the farmers to grow their crop, first of all, with compliant, lovely land race strains that are drought resistant, pest tolerant, you know, bioremediating, all these wonderful things that are within a viable proximity to a processing system that creates nice value added products and high quality products that meets the available demand regionally. Because you don't want to be exporting and doing stuff and treating this like the mining industry where we exported all our raw materials. You want to beneficiate the value chain, stimulate job creation, stimulate agripreneurship, stimulate entrepreneurship. So that's where the industry's at. How do we get in the right genetics? How do we do adaptability trials? So ARC has been mandated now to do adaptability trials around the country. Essentially, we need to find out who's going to process all this stuff. Who's going to set up small regional hubs to process hemp? And who's going to find the demand in the area? And I will say my personal takeaway from this year is actually finding out where the appetite is. Like, what do we need as a country? What do we need as a people? South African people. What is unique to us? What's our advantages? Competitive and comparative advantages. And how do we make sure that when hemp is processed and we're making beautiful products, people want to buy it? It's also like a bit of, not a psychology of business, but it's like, how do we build value into hemp? It's like when people were using cowries as currency, and if you remember that, cowries was super valuable. Now it's a shell people throw on the beach. So hemp is, the value needs to be built into people's mindset that this is a carbon neutral product, this is a bioremediating product, this stimulates local farmers, we're using local land, and we're building a greener future. Like as much as that statement's been so overused recently, like hemp, I believe, is this nexus of sustainable community, economic political, environmental, cultural relationships. He talks about imprinting the benefits of hemp and making that more of a thing when it comes to South African public or consumers. You have built a hemp house. Yes. What? (laughs) How is that possible? It's been a journey for a long time to look at different natural green building systems and to see how I can not only have less of a negative environmental footprint, but more of a positive environmental footprint. And what I loved about hemp is the fact that it's a way to sequester carbon, and you can literally build a carbon-negative house. And the insulation properties of it is amazing. So even during a hot week like we've just experienced, you can walk into a house and it almost feels like there's air conditioning and it breathes. It's just a lovely kind of environment to live in and it has all these environmental benefits. And I think that's one of the things that really attracted me is the fact that it's not this thing of people against the environment, but it really benefits both. We are part of the environment and we are dependent on the environment. And as people in agriculture, we understand that, our dependence on the ecosystem services and our environment. So that was the thing that attracted me as a filmmaker, as a storyteller. I'm always looking for solutions and inspiring stories. And when I first heard about hemp, I went on this journey to discover how can I get this stuff and how can I learn more about it and who are the pioneers with their amazing, inspiring stories. And as part of that, I produced a small story for 5050 on SABC about hempcrete as a building solution in South Africa. And I found that in Cape Town, they we're building the tallest hempcrete structure in the world. But the problem was we couldn't grow the hemp in South Africa legally, and they had to import all of that hemp from other parts of the world. And then we have situations like in Pondoland, where people have been growing this plant for many generations, 
but it was still outside the bounds of the law. And how can we find solutions that will really benefit communities, also use the amazing indigenous knowledge that there is and find solutions that will benefit both people and the environment. So after doing that story, I was just more convinced that that was a building material that I wanted to try out myself. So I live in a beautiful area, Northwest province in the bush. And I kind of created this tree house kind of a place and brought hemp in there. Built my house from locally grown hemp and I won't put my head on a block here, but as far as we know, it might be the first locally grown hemp house in South Africa. Sure. So uh, been a wonderful journey. It's definitely encouraging to hear, you know, this side of the hemp industry. Often it's a very negative story that comes with hemp and cannabis. But here you have a completely different story that is positive, not only just for housing, but also for the environment as well. Take us to constructing this house. What goes into it? Take us to that process. There are different ways that you can do it. You can either make blocks that look similar to bricks or building blocks, but they are very, very light. So it's a wonderful, easy building construction material to work with. It's not weight bearing, so you need to construct a structure for the house. So what I've done I started off building my treehouse structure and then I decided instead of using timber for the walls, I'm going to use hempcrete. So it was harvesting what they call the shiv or the herd, which is the inside woody part of the plant's stem. And then you mix that up with a binder. And in this case, lime is a great binder to use. I also added some clay from the area where I live. And so my hempcrete has this beautiful earthy color, this almost reddish terracotta color. So what I've done is I used a shutter board to create formwork and then kind of pressed the mixture of hemp herd with lime and a little bit of clay and water. Mix it up, not very sloppy, it looks like elephant dung. <laughs> and you push that into the formwork and um, let it dry and take off the formwork in that way, build up. So that's been the process. So it's an exciting story. I can envision it. But I wish I could actually see it and I'm sure you're going to share pictures with us. Tell us about some of the things that you guys are currently busy with. So, Hempo Sapiens. Hempo Sapiens. Yeah, <laughs> the Hemp Human. So, our motto is for Earth and people. And the reason why I'm here with Albertus and why we're together in this is that this past week, we have joined forces in going to a place in the Amashangan region in the Bushback Ridge local municipality and met some beautiful souls along the way and... We essentially have gone to assess the movement that is Abundant Village. An Abundant Village is this concept of creating, co-creating community upliftment with the community, for the community in sustainable biomimicry infrastructure, but also a greater holistic approach for it. And I'll let Albertus come in here as well, is that it's about finding out what the local needs are and the local challenges and actually building sustainable almost systems that they can create themselves with us so that the solutions are sustainably driven and locally driven so just to kind of you know summarize that it's this beautiful place they've had experience with agriculture and they're doing agriculture now but there are such pivotal like struggles there there's such challenges but the solution seems easy from the outside but when you go inside and what we've done this past week is go inside We've met the women who are the farmers there. We've met the Indunas. We've met the tribal authorities. We even have met the, gone into the boardrooms and had the opportunity to meet the mayor and the municipal manager. 
And we found that agriculture is the lifeline of the region we're specifically working in. And Abundant Village is about creating abundance in the infrastructure, but in the mindset of the people as well. We found that, yeah, we want to work with the people and work on agriculture and fix the problems there. And that's where Hemper Sapiens has, you know, working with MoveMe to create this beautiful place there centered around agriculture, community development, thought leadership, education, biomimicry infrastructure as well that's in harmony with nature and nature-based solutions. And I think that's why it's been such an amazing week. And I want you to talk a little bit more about it as well, just around the week we had here. Just a little bit more context as well. Um, Rihanna coming from Hollywood, part of her whole motivation was there's so much money in Hollywood, but very often the people's stories who get told don't benefit from those profits that are made. So the model with MoveMe is that wherever we work and wherever we tell stories, The people tell their own stories. That's a very important part of it. So very strong on mentorship and walking the journey with the community. And the second thing is sharing the profits. So 50% of any profits from from media created goes into the community. And the vehicle of doing that is the abundant village model, which basically is what we're doing in Bushpak Ridge now is with the Amashangana people to create a pilot village. When I say village, it's more of a community hub and that's part of what we are doing and why we are meeting with all the people on grassroots level, normal community members, community groups, community leaders, the traditional authority, the municipal authority to understand what their needs are and what they want to see in that development. And we want to do it holistically. We're looking at, as Steve has mentioned, the structures, the infrastructure, but also things like education, food security, nutrition, job creation, all the different energy, water, healthcare, all those kind of things, bringing it together. And this past week specifically, we have been interacting with the farmers groups and the women's groups to better understand the challenges of the farmers and we realized that two of the main things that everybody said was issues with water because there's an old irrigation system from the 1960s that's not properly functioning and it's amazing to see how these people are using whatever they have and being created with trying to work with what is on the ground there but a few simple solutions from the outside with resources they don't have could make a massive difference to two three hundred female farmers and also men who are farmers in that area. So that's the one thing is, is the water and the second thing was access to market. So we are looking with the Amashangana traditional authority and with the local Indunas at a specific piece of land where we want to create an agro-processing hub and then bring in some of the other aspects of the abundant village model onto that. But that was the main thing that they have identified and that's what we are focusing on developing at the moment. It's clear there's a lot of benefits when it comes to hemp production. Are we seeing a positive shift in how consumers or South Africans view hemp? What's your thoughts on that? There is a rise of conscious consumerism, but I will just say this. I think in South Africa, we have a certain niche about well-being and energy and cleanness and governments mandating ensure, but there's a premium now to be green. And it feels like it's very constricting. And sometimes there's the aspect of this climate poverty in South Africa. Why must we worry about climate when, you know, why must we be green when the rest of the world's not green and we're emerging economy? But the solution to that is that we have to develop this demand and, like I said, build in value. 
So, I mean, around him, I'm sitting here in hemp-based clothes in this meeting right now. This kind of like soft pants bought from Hemporium as well, the pants. And it's the experiential feeling of well-being I get. This is UV resistant, hydroscopic, this is antibacterial, antifungal. There was no pesticides used on this when it was growing. And it's healthier for me. So it's immediately hemp, the solutions it offers are extreme versions of health. So in the clothes, in the food, the polyunsaturated fats and their destin, great for, it's a lipid, polyunsaturated fats, so it's a fatty based substance, so it's great for micronutrient uptake. It's almost a nootropic, nutraceutical, and then looking at building materials, and then looking number one at the soil as well. Like the soil, it bioremediates, so it actually ends up cleaning the soil of any type of nutrients, any types of contaminants, that's a big thing in South Africa with our post-mining economies in some areas and it has post-mining rehabilitation programs. What type of bioremediating crops can we use that have value? So there is this huge positive shift for hemp. It's been mandated now by the national government. In the SONA State of the Nation address, I may have slipped through the cracks with all the other very important things in that. It's been mandated now that we need to focus on hemp. And hemp and cannabis and how we look at it on a regulation level is also very incongruent in some sense we're saying hemp is hemp because it has low amounts of thc and high thc cannabis is cannabis because it has thc and they're the same plant they've just been domesticated differently so it's also about like hemp is actually presenting an opportunity to legislators to open up the idea about how to discern the difference between two crops but there is a general interest it's a rising interest it's coming from big industries as well your cars, the indoor panels and the indoor roofing is made out of biocomposites. In the Eastern Cape, we have the Kuga Industrial Development Zone. There's been massive investment in there and you can generate all your hemp biocomposites out of that as well. Building materials were mandated by government to build a whole bunch of social housing. What better way to prevent diseases and have good health than build hemp-based housing? For school programs as well, for looking at food for children. And just like one more example about how this industry can be developed is the example of China. And I'm saying China in a very broad sense, so please just take that with a pinch of salt. But they reverse engineered their value chain by the government being the major off-taker. They wanted all their military to be the ones that wear hemp clothing. So therefore, the processor knew what to process for. The farmer knew what genetic and agronomic practice to farm for because they knew there was a massive fiber clothing offtake they needed and that's the way we need to think about the industry not be a supplier orientated i farm my hemp i'm going to process it who do i sell it to now first stimulate the demand get the appetite right and then build in scale in that sequencing i spoke about so that number one we're building a sustainable industry and number two we're also making an industry that people can be a part of on a national scale food feed fiber you know all these wonderful opportunities it can present Definitely a lot of things to look forward to. Yeah. Is there anything that excites you in the short term, looking at 2024? Working you? with this guy and their amazing movement they've invited me to, I think the opportunity there is actually about showing hemp in a South African version. People are saying large-scale monoculture, it'll never work. You need a large amount of biomass. There's a lot of people who have stated that, and I'm not saying I'm here to prove them wrong. I'm here to almost prove myself right. I think industrial hemp has this wonderful opportunity of being looked at as a small-scale farmer model. If you have a dispensation for a hemp permit around the small-scale farmer region, like regional area, that actually builds these locally grown, locally hands with gogos who have been farming for like years and agripreneurs and women and youth who are in our area to develop eco-lodging for all greater area around that region. So I'm looking forward to building the industry, working with my network, 
working with government, working with tribal authorities and like-minded people who actually want to make change. I think just to add to that, something else that's exciting in the short term is working with these small-scale farmers. Because hemp is also a crop that has a short growing season, it is something that you can grow and rotate with the food crops that they are growing. So it's not replacing, but uh, supporting what the farmers are doing there and actually benefiting the whole food security. Grow more food and at the same time grow industrial hemp. Thank you so much, Albertus Lowe, Global Impact Director at Abundant Village. Of course, Pivo Artemides, the co-founder of Hempo Sapiens. If you'd like to read more on this topic, visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. But before I say goodbye, I'm not sure if you've heard, but the Mzanzi Young Farmers in Daba is back and the 2024 edition is bigger, bolder and better than ever before. Join us in Pretoria from Thursday 4 to Saturday 6 April for Africa's most prominent gathering of young farmers. Presented by Food from Zanzi, this three-day event promises an exhilarating lineup of South Africa's foremost young agricultural minds alongside no less than 50 agriculture-related exhibitions and six masterclasses. It's an event you don't want to miss and we definitely hope to see you there. But for now, for this episode, thanks for listening. From me, Duncan Masua, and our technical producer, Megan van der Fendt, and the rest of Hashtag Team Food from Zanzi, thanks for listening. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food Form Zanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.